Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, I've got a very important question for you. Uh, Sure. Yeah, I like questions. So on their seminal uh, 1982 album, Screaming for Vengeance, do you know how Judas Priest opens? What's the name of the opening track and also the name of the art of the album art is? I don't know anything about any of that, so I'm sure you're going to educate me. Well, it's an it's a uh, instrumental intro uh, that leads into the real kickoff track, Electric Eye, which is a freaking banger. Mm. Uh, if you've never heard Electric Eye, I strongly encourage you to go listen to it. It's truly phenomenal. Um, but the intro track, great intro track, I think about it all the time, is The Hellion. <laughs> okay. I, it took you a little while to see where I was going with that, didn't you? Well, I figured it would show up in some way because we are talking about the Hellions this week, though maybe not the Hellions that people might be thinking about when we first say the Hellions. Or perhaps the Hellions that you think about when we first think about the Hellions. But I can promise you, we will we will be th- we will be mostly talking about the Hellions that you aren't thinking about. That's right. And what's fun about this uh, episode is we actually have three different teams of Hellions that we're going to be talking about. And so in your mind, you might be doing a little mental math if you haven't read the uh, the blurb that comes with this episode to think of what they are. <laughs> I'm just going to say, nary a beef nor Bevatron in sight here. No beefs, no Bevatrons, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately? See... Hold on, hold on. Are you a Bevatron fan? <laughs> I don't I don't think either of those characters really have much uh, going on for them. You know, we will see uh, at least two classic Kellyan characters here, but uh, no, no beef nor Bevatron. All right. So this week we are starting with the most recent uh, incarnation of the Hellions, and that is from Zeb Wells uh, Krakoa series. This is a request, right, Zach? Yeah, this is a request by Lucas Walsh. Uh, Lucas is one of our great supporters on Patreon, and if you want to be like Lucas, uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode this time. We like to yes. mix it up here in our <laughs> Attitude Era, because we are we are in the midst of our Attitude Era and obligatory, Adam, can I get a hell yeah? You can get a hellion yeah. Hellion yeah, I like that. Hey, did I mention <laughs> that I'm the bad boy of X-Men podcasting at the start of this? I honestly I don't... don't remember. I don't think you did, but I think people know. need to know that I'm the bad boy of X-Men podcasting. <laughs> it would be um, really funny if anybody who listened to this show didn't already know that. But um, we are going to talk about some bad boys, bad gals, bad things. I don't know what Nanny really is. Nanny's, she's a woman. She's an she's adult woman in an egg. Like an egg. Don't egg shame her. <laughs> <laughs> she's in an egg because that's what she is comfortable in yeah yeah um but wh- wh- which arc are we starting off with here 
This is so, post Ten of Swords, I think. This is this is post Ten of Swords. Uh, it is Hellions nine through eleven funny games, uh, written by Zeb Wells with pencils by Steven Segovia. David Carriel is on those colors, and this is a team of Hellions. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fun. You got Mister Sinister chaperoning the team not chaperoning that's the wrong word he is sponsoring the team (laughs) sure psylocke is chaperoning yep and the team is nanny orphan maker again i've got to say love the nanny orphan maker renaissance that we've gotten in the kirkoa (laughs) era (laughs) there are a lot of truly for adam if this series has done nothing else it gave me one of the most exciting hour and a half of my life when Chris Claremont yelled at me for a little bit. And then I said, and I quote, no, Chris, they got turned into a baby and then come back. Baby crimes don't count. That is settled case law. You wrote that, not me. <laughs> and then he had to sit there and say, son of a gun. I did do that. Hey, anyway, listen. that was, that was Chris a great Claremont time. Did sign a drawing that I did of the nanny dressed as Fran Drescher, the nanny. And, uh, solidarity can, with the why are we not getting adam oh we got to get some mileage out of that with the with the strike going on have, we got the nanny 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 but you gotta you gotta crank that thing on socials especially <laughs> when fran drasher comes out there and says you know we've beaten the producers and we have we are settling the strike because yeah. power to the people absolutely if this so podcast we, unionizes though it will destroy me <laughs> there's only two of us yeah, and you better not be looking for equitable treatment, Adam. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We are equals here, buddy. <laughs> um, but some of us are more equal. They Duh. are? That's just how... Listen, I've read Animal Farm, and that's what that's what it taught me. I did oh. read the first, like... I read, like, a paragraph of it, but you I feel like I got the You got wrong message from the Orwellian text. Um, so tell me how I'm supposed to interpret that any different... Than them saying all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal. That makes sense to me. I get that, Orwell. So we have Nanny, we have Orphan Maker, we also have Havoc. We have Havoc, of course. Um, Empath. We've also Empath. We have classic, classic Hellion Empath. Classic Hellion Empath. The only, the only classic uh, Hellion who made it onto the team, which is great. We have Wild Child, right? Wild or... Child. What a we. Here's the thing. Great I'm going to say this. How many good comics has Wild Child been in? I don't know. A couple of Age of Apocalypse comics. I mean, that's about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I guess the ones that Joe Madeira drew. But uh, <laughs> right? those Alpha Flight issues are bad. Yes. Um, I assume. I won't read Alpha Flight. It's just not happening for me. Uh, those, uh, what's the other thing? here? Oh, X-Factor. Those X-Factor issues are not good. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we have also finally renamed a classic Marauder. Um, so there we got John Gray Crow. I like him. John he's Gray fun. Crow, which uh, the way that he's depicted here is fantastic. Just basically a brand new take on the character. And I think it's it's pretty solid. Um, I mean, we say it's a brand new take, but what was his previous take be- besides guns? And also, I think he owned a diner. He was in... a murder man. Yeah, he just did murders. Yeah. He's just a murder man, and now he's not a murder. He's more than a murder man. Um, so you know, <laughs> if I had a dollar for every X Men character 
who was a Native American who had a lot of trauma from the Vietnam War, I would have two dollars. And that's not a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice. Uh, you know, Claremont, he he has his uh you know, his, his things. He just revisits those wells. What can we say? But not the you know, Claremont has his well, but uh this is Zeb Wells. And it's a different well. Yes. And Zeb is going to take our characters on an interesting mission in these issues because uh, Sinister is visited by Mastermind. And um, this leads to an adventure with everybody's favorite schlang uh, oh, villain. Arcade. I know that arcade. noise. I recognize that noise. <laughs> hey, Adam, I got a Hi. question for you. And this is yeah. a question for our readers, too. More of a, more of a statement. Did you, you know... Have you been reading Deadpool Batter Blood? I uh, glanced at it. I do realize that there is a Lady Shatterstar now who is the oh, that's Shatterstorm descendant of a of a Shatterstar something. I don't know, and I'm not gonna. I'm honest truth about that comic is Chad Bowers deserves an award for taking a bunch of what are very literally splash pages. Mm-hmm. In trying to figure out a coherent narrative structure. <laughs> At one point, the lettering pass says, wait, I thought I was using guns. Why am I using swords now? It doesn't matter. Amazing. Amazing. Truly, truly just like phenomenal work of. I got to get a freaking paycheck in here. Like, I love got to ask, what does batter blood have to do with this story? <laughs> oh, uh, because batter blood has introduced Arcada, which oh, is right. the lady did- arcade. Yes. So, you know, we've we've got a shtick going in that book, right? We're just going to take existing characters and make them ladies. We've we've talked about how we like arcade, though, like everyone loves arcade. arcade. Yeah. And arcade is if anyone. Here's the thing. Can I tell you the one thing I never want to happen Uh, to end up in murder world? No, that'd be a fun way to go out. I never want arcade to end up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because they will try and. Here's what, because what I want from Arcade is him to have a life-size pinball table. Yeah, yeah. And and they won't do that. They'll be like, well, what's the real, like, the core VR version of Arcade? Which we kind of get here, and I don't love that. Because, again, if you're going to use Arcade, if you're going to use Arcade, at least Avengers Arena is like him still going to extreme lengths to do something very basic. Which is what you need for arcade, and I'll give him credit in this. Arcade has—he's clever here because he has his loyalty protocols. Yes, uh, can I confirm that I'm podcasting with Zach? Yes, confirmed. yes, you, uh, confirmed, confirmed. <laughs> so, arcade being savvy, working with Mastermind knows that Mastermind does illusions, so he has a guy across the country, watching on a video camera, making sure that what Arcade is doing is what he thinks he's doing. Mm-hmm. Very clever. And how is he controlling that guy? Oh, because Arcade is controlling him the same way he's controlling all of his uh, workers. He's holding a loved one hostage who they cannot trade for, cannot bargain for, and must listen to or else the loyalty protocols will be initiated and their loved one will be murdered. Yeah, and this is how he's gotten mastermind because he does have um, one of the two ladies mastermind hostage. Martinique. Um, it's Martinique. And uh, 
basically, instead of having Murder World, Murder World is one of Mastermind's illusions. So there is a little less fun, I guess, because it's an illusion and it's not like a fun arcade game that's going to kill you, right? That you have to escape from. However, it there's does no mean- roller coasters. There's no bumper cars. There's no evil version of the game where you throw the ball at the milk jugs. There's no. Yeah. Instead, this is more psychological torture. So each of the characters is going through their own, you know, scenario. We have uh, Havoc, who is being tormented by uh, his love for Maddie. You have Psylocke, who's being tormented. Okay, by you're saying his torment. Hold on, you're you're saying torment. Steven Segovia and Zeb Wells know what they're doing when they're drawing those panels, and uh, much like a different Judas Priest song on 1982 Screaming for Vengeance, it's more of a situation where you bring me pain, but you give me pleasure. You're absolutely right. I maybe started with the, the worst example, but each you of the did. characters is being tormented in some way, though Havoc really is having a good time. Psylocke's being tormented with dreams of her NFT daughter, which is right. Who doesn't know her own name. So we know she's not real. Um, and Psylocke eventually, even though it feels like it takes 40 years is able to escape masterminds, illusions, band the team together, break out of the like little captivity they're in. And I guess save sinister because here's the thing. Sinister appears to be, um, having been kidnapped by Arcade, when really... want to be clear, when the Hellions get told that Sinister has been kidnapped, yes, they, they do laugh. not care. <laughs> they don't. They say, Sage, why, why would you be bothering us with this? And she says, yeah. You're going. And it turns out that's an illusion. Sinister, well, Mastermind's been working with Arcade because of the loyalty protocols for Martinique, right? Which I guess Martinique is is canonically his favorite. I guess, but in this particular case, he seems willing to do whatever it takes to make sure she doesn't get, get killed. Yeah. Well, it turns out actually sinister knew about all this and needed (laughs) arcades building so he could make a clone farm uh, for schemes. Yeah. So it's all a big, it's all a big trick. And by the end of it, sinister, says so anyway all of this is happening and by the way psylocke uh you're gonna mind wipe your team so they don't know about this and you're gonna work for me and no one's gonna talk about it the team loves how well they beat up arcade they sure do um what's funny about they this don't remember is, but they no do love that yeah the not funny part is that sinister is promising psylocke her daughter right because he he says he has the way to bring her back um, the through the funny, through the blockchain, Adam. <laughs> pretty pretty much. Um, the it's the funny. Do you do you think this daughter is fungible? <laughs> I don't know. It's very confusing. I don't <laughs> think this daughter is a fungible token. I believe she is non fungible, <laughs> at least at the moment. the The funny part about this is that because Sinister has to play along and make Arcade believe that he's not being taken advantage of. This does lead to a scene where Arcade pulls out several of Sinister's teeth with pliers, and... (laughs) 
It's it's just, just, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. It's very indicative of the kind of like sick, twisted humor that Seb Wells is, is playing with here. And I think it's really fun. I think this is a fun series. And I think that when it was coming out, this was probably the most consistent book that was hitting the shelves. I would say, however, I think it's consistent. I think it's consistently good, but I don't think this arc hits the level of great. And I don't know if like, I like, I like Hellions. I really like this book and it will reflect in the rankings, but I don't think it rises above being like, yeah, that was a good X-Men story. It just, well, it's, it hits that ceiling of that's a good X-Men story for me. Yeah. It's well-written. It's great art. Segovia is great. He's just Sevo- not... Segovia is a great fit for these characters in this book, but I agree he just that they're... he just doesn't like astonish me. You know, like he's sure. he's a good hand, and frankly, yeah. more consistent, more solid hand than someone. We don't need to do this four weeks in a row. <laughs> there is um, a lot better character development in some of the other arcs. You know, this yes. one is dwelling on the characters' pasts. And I feel like, you know, the arc is not very long. It's only three issues, but it probably could have gotten by with two and we'd be fine. It probably could. And I think you can either dig deep into everybody or into like one character's trauma and -hmm. like bounce off the Psylocke and Grey Crow relationship stuff. Uh, But because you have to have the vignettes over to other characters like Nanny and the Orphan Maker or Empath or Wild Child, that takes up page space. Mm-hmm. And you don't get a chance to dig as deep as you would yeah. want. That's that is we talked about this a little bit in the Bendis episode we did recently. That's kind of the curse of when you do an arc where you break up a team. Well, yes. you got to dedicate at least a page to what they're doing. And when you only have 20 pages and you have a team of eight people, half your half your story is just checking in with what the cast is doing and moving their individual stories along at the level of like, a weekly newspaper strip. Yeah. No, you're absolutely that's a, right. That's tough. I agree. Uh, so it sounds like we enjoyed this, but we have some reservations. So I think we should try and rank this on our big old list. Well, that's the thing, Adam. And thank you for bringing this up. Cause some people, some people just don't bring this up all the time is that we do have a big old list. We do. It's uh, not small. In fact, Very it's big. not, it's 804. And I'll tell you size does matter here. Because uh, who else? There may be longer X-Men podcasts. There may be more popular X-Men podcasts. There may be X-Men pop podcasts that have been around before us. But, buddy, there ain't an X-Men podcast that is ranked 804 stories or more. <laughs> no that's one. Why, that's why people are listening. It's the list. <laughs> Everyone is listening for this list that absolutely exists in reality. It isn't just an Excel sheet that we look at and structure our show around. And it is the truth, and it is right. And there are 804 stories on the list, with the best being House of X, Powers of Ten, the 100th best being Wolverine, the Shiva scenario, 200th being giant size little Marvel AVX, uh, 300th being Ultimate Spider-Man Jump the Shark, 400 being X-Men Gold, just the one shot, not that, not the whole series. Uh, 500 is Dak and Dark Wolverine. That's that's a story with Moon Knight in it. Uh, 600 is X-Factor She-Hulk Secret Invasion. 700 is the Mutant X Beyond arc. 800 is X Nation 2099 and 800 is fourth worst X-Men story of all time. 2099 World of Tomorrow. Nice. 
All right. So is this a top 300 story? Yeah, it's definitely top 300. This is better is than it, Brood Trouble in the Big Easy at 303? But you and me both know that Brood Trouble in the Big Easy is a bad story that has incredible art <laughs> and is fun because it has that part where Gambit throws a pie at Bishop. Like, that's great. Mm-hmm. Ghost mm-hmm. Rider's fantastic. The arc is incomprehensible. And every time we revisit it, we're like, yeah, I mean, it's not good, but we love it. Yeah, I don't know how high I'm going above this, though. Like, I don't think this is better than Fatal Attractions at 286. Really? No. You don't think you don't think this is better than Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey? I, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's just OK. Like, it's good. I and think I this like is. It. I have. I this have is better a, than the negative zone war at two. It is better than negative zone war. Again, you're you're forgetting that Fatal Attractions was a comic book you read as a kid, not necessarily a good comic book all the time. It's well, it very long also. Bad, depending on which issues you read it, it, it's good and it's very terrible, depending on what you're reading. Yeah, we're not talking uh, about that cool part where Wolverine gets his skeleton ripped yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I don't okay, think this okay. is better than the first two issues of Christina Strain's Generation X, though. Hmm, that's interesting because I'm looking, where is, because we don't have a ton of it on here. Where is our highest or our lowest Krakoa era thing in this chunk? Oh, like I'm trying to see where the closest closest Krakoa thing. It's not that we haven't is haven't really done that much of it. Again, most of we have top 200. And that's where I'm. Okay, no, at 155 is Uncanny X-Men Revolutions Uh, Revolution. The not. Not Chris Claremont's return to the franchise revolutions, the Bendis stuff. That's it. It's below 155. Uh, yep, yeah, that that is my ceiling. So let's look. Wow, you're a lot higher than I am. I am. And I'm just looking like I just don't think that this is, you know, and I love this book. I do. But this is not the best arc. It's just OK, you know, and it's got this... the characters. It's got the writing. It's got the zingers, you know. Um. But... OK, I'm. I would go a little bit higher okay. than you. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at where we have. At 257, we have Old Woman Laura, which is another arc that I think this is kind of better than. But I would maybe put this below 246, in between X-Men Power Pack and Madripoor Knights. Wow. Hmm. Do we have Madripoor Knights too low? It's possible. It's possible we have Madripoor Knights too I'm going to give this to you. You seem to have uh, more affinity for this arc than I do. But if that's where you want to put it, I'm OK with it because no, I do can, like this can... book. I'm going to I'm going to throw one other thing out there at you. This X-Men is better than Orphans, Homecoming. Orphans of X. Orphans. I don't love Orphans of X. I think Orphans, Orphans of, of X, X is. I think that's better than this. OK, we'll put it on here. We'll put we'll put it. Here's what we'll do. We'll put it right under Orphans of X before before what I was going to bring up X-Men 70 homecoming where they, where maggot eats the bomb that's in Cyclops's belly. Yes. Okay, great. Okay, cool. So that's, that's the Hellions. Wow. That was strangely it, contentious. I didn't think that would be difficult to rank. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, like a, I'm a Krakoa <laughs> era boy. Yeah. There, oh. There's stuff that I like. 
Absolutely. All right. Well, we are going to go from that Hellions team to a different Hellions team. Which one is this? Oh, this is this is Emma Frost's Hellions. You're aware of them? Not the OG Emma Frost Hellions, though. You're right. So here's the thing. Um, and it's actually very interesting if you skipped this era like a lot of people did and go back and try and figure out where all these characters came from. Um this is New X-Men Hellions. Uh, it's a miniseries written by Nunzio, uh, Nunzio De Filippes and Christina Weir uh, with pencils by Clayton Henry. This is a spinoff of the New Mutants slash New X-Men team mm-hmm. back when they were the team and they were uh, the least interesting characters in their own book. <laughs> well, this is that era where the campus has been divided into houses, you know, it's the Harry Potter era. Exactly. They, they literally have a Harry Potter cup. And I'm like, it's guys, pretty much what they were doing. Um, like, it's but, just it's just like blatant. And that's annoying. This is Emma's team slash Danny Moonstar's team, right? If I remember correctly. No, Danny Moonstar's team is the New Mutants team that's the one with surge and prodigy and elixir and then a lot of other characters who we don't care about yes so there's a guthrie the guthrie with wings is in there jay Uh, jay uh there's the windbreaker and Mm -hmm. what's her uh wind i'm sorry wind dancer windbreaker was the superhero i made up when i was 10 years old who essentially had her same powers and i thought that was a weird thing oh not windbreaker didn't have fart powers because that no, would be really no. great. <laughs> I had I had the I had it in my mind that she wore a windbreaker as part oh. of her costume because superheroes should have jackets. Oh honestly, man. Honestly, I think that's like not that bad of an idea for like if you're going to have a character whose power is flying and all this stuff, you need to have something that shows that like the wind is moving. You gotta get that like, into the copyright office, Zach. I think CCC CC TM TM do not steal. Uh <laughs> Anyway, uh, no. And then who's the other one? Doesn't matter. Wallflower. Who cares about these ones? Yeah. Uh, So that team was not that interesting. No, this team is made up. This Hellions team is made up of tag, right? Who can tag people to make them run away from whoever's it. We're going to talk about tag in this because I have, I have some thoughts. (laughs) Wither, uh, who can't touch anybody. He'll make them wither. Wither sucks. Uh, Wither Mercury, sucks. He's who's the worst made. person on this team. Yeah. Uh, with a Mercury who's made of metal. Um, Rock slide. Like her. Dust. And there's Julian Keller, who is known as Hellion. Very confusing. Uh, hey, Julian Keller sucks. I know that they're trying to make him <laughs> like. Uh, he's. He's very much a Draco Malfoy style bad boy in this. And by bad boy, I mean that people on Tumblr think he's just a little guy that they can really, they can fix him, but he sucks. He's a rich jerk. Who's mean he, to everybody. He is the, like a male carbon copy of Emma Frost from the Emma Frost solo series. <laughs> like just Emma the Frost, worst. Right? Like disowned by his rich parents and how dare they. Okay. Um, okay. He's <clears throat> disowned by his rich parents. Because he's a mutant, but more because he was being a super jerk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like he was he was being very stuck up. And 
on one hand, he was doing it because he was facing mutant discrimination, and that's mm-hmm. not great. On the other hand, he's fighting mutant discrimination by saying, do you know who my father is? Well, and he's, then also, fighting Air he's Force also cops. doing it post 9-11 at an airport, so not good Yeah, it's like, it's like, Bud, <laughs> at a certain point, have five, five seconds of self-awareness. Also, maybe if your parents are so rich... Private plane. You can get a private plane that you definitely have. Well, it is. Well, okay. so let's back up a second. Um, You might expect that a mini series about a team might go on a superhero adventure. That's not the case uh, necessarily at first. This does appear to be the Hellions spring break. So they have decided that they're all going to go to California and hang out with Julian Keller at his house with his swimming pool and his mansion. Um, So get in trouble at the airport realize when we get out of the airport that they got to take a cab what's going on and it does turn out that as uh zach mentioned the, the kellers do have, seem to have kind of disowned julian but they're a lot he's they're all allowed to stay right um they discover <laughs> it almost feels like a runaways plot um oh this part this part was very much a straight up rip off of runaways right that um the parents have gotten their wealth via another character who's the primary villain of this series and that is the king maker the king maker grants wishes but obviously uh there's a there's a catch and he always wants something in return so in this case he is able to do things like reunite dust with his mother psychologically contort mercury's parents so that they love her again things like that um give rock um, slide making, a wrestling making rocks- contract <laughs> okay here's the thing here's the thing this bothers me can i tell you why yeah please because there's already a superhero wrestling league it's unlimited class wrestling uh ucw in the marvel universe and it's friggin weird that they invent a second one instead of using the one where d-man is in it it doesn't make a lot of sense the thing thought for fought for ucw (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) please guys the editor who's the editor on this who's the editor on this Uh, it is sean ryan nicolo and mike martz somebody's gotta know Sean Ryan, I don't know you. Nick Lowe, Mike Martz, guys, guys, <laughs> you knew Tom Brevoort really well. Nick, you still work with him. You think Tom Brevoort, who I don't particularly have like much thoughts on one way or another, you think Tom Brevoort couldn't have looked at this script in in a second said, why aren't you using unlimited class wrestling? We We already have one of these and it's great. <laughs> And you should use it. Um, it's a it's an interesting thing to see how each one of these characters chooses their wishes. Unfortunately, once they make their wishes, they now have to go and break in to a secret facility and steal a bioweapon that um, is currently being stolen by shields. Secret uh, shield agents. agents. They're mercenaries. They're mercenaries right Thank now. Thank you. It's uh, your favorite it's character. Diamondback. Oh, okay. No, Paladin does suck, but I like Diamondback. Diamondback is I like Diamondback. Yeah. Diamondback's great. She's a union girl. She's part of the Serpent Society, as we all know. <laughs> the only unionized group of supervillains besides the besides all of the police. 
Uh, and they uh, they have to steal this for S.H.I.E.L.D. And a lot of time, Paladin brings up, hey, Diamondback, didn't you used to date Captain America? What's up with that? And she's like, shut up, Paladin. No one likes your style. See, this mini does have its charms. There is some like humor that does land over the course of these four issues. Um, it doesn't always work. But essentially it what it, what happens is they, the um, Hellions team does steal the biohazard. They they destroy it so no one can use it, but they trade it back to Kingbreaker as in a broken form so that he never bothers them again. And um, it's, it's a heartbreaking, but it's just the way it has to go. Just to be clear, Kingbreaker would have continued to bother them again, except for Emma Frost finds out that her students are in trouble, corners him in a limo, and says, first name, who I don't, I don't remember his real name, but she just calls, she doesn't bother calling him by his, by his made up name. Uh, she says, listen, don't mess with these kids or I'll Emma Frost you. <laughs> That's great. I have yes. some, I have some quibbles with this. Yeah, please. I think most of, I think most of the people's wishes make sense. Julian wants to be a superhero, which is annoying, but whatever, I get it. He wants to be the center of attention. Dust wants to find her mother. Wither wants to not kill everything he touches. All that makes sense. It does suck that Tag's wish is, I just want all my friends to still like me when when they go do their thing. Because for the entirety of New X-Men, Tag was also on the team. He was their black friend. Yeah. And there is enough of that in like, He's like the worst version of Sync. Like Sync has turned out to be super cool nowadays, but mm -hmm. in Gen X, it was really frustrating when Sync never got anything to do and everyone yeah. else did. Mm -hmm. Like it's a common thing. And that's in this mini. I noticed that years ago when I first read, it, I was like, really? That's what you're going to give to tag. Cause I like, he has a fun power. Hey, you got to run away from me. That's fun. You can oh. do stuff with it. It's super fun and he's learning like new applications for it in the course of this mini too. But I agree with you that of all of the wishes, <clears throat> which some of them are lame, like you can wish for literally anything and you know, it, it's okay. Um, but tag. Hold on. If you're talking about rock slides, wish that's an incredibly character thing. It's for very rock in character. Yeah. Like I totally buy, I buy it a hundred percent. Yes. That I, I, buy. I think later continuity has established that he probably wished that he had a penis again. <laughs> um, but the fact that tag basically wishes to become the rest of the team's PR agent is weird. It so, sucks. Actually yeah. like tag doesn't have enough character here. So i um, curious what you thought of this. I mean, I thought it was an enjoyable read, but it's also just, just kind of light, you know, it's, it, doesn't have a lot of impact. It's just trying well, to build these nothing, characters a little bit more. There so here's the thing. I think this this mini series is the most clear reason to say, "Hey, um how about we kill off the entire old cast and we focus on these more interesting characters actually?" <laughs> <laughs> like you read this compared to what DeFilippis and Ware were doing on the regular new X-Men book. And this is better than that. Like, it's a noticeable step up because these are more engaging and interesting characters. And very specifically, which I think is the most important thing for this 
like era of kids, these kids are visually unique and significant. And I'm not saying that from a mutant metaphor, whatever, blah, blah, blah way. Like this is not a discourse thing. This is when you have to draw a lot of characters on a comic book page. They have a unique silhouette and you can always tell who is who. Yeah, where absolutely. Show, I'm going to, Adam, if I showed you a picture of Wind Dancer of, versus uh, Wallflower, Wind Dancer versus, versus Wallflower, could you tell? Could you I don't tell know. the I mean, difference between those two? Depends, depends. Uh, but I agree with you. I think these are interesting characters. And I mentioned Runaways before, but this uh, four-issue mini does strike me as the kind of thing that you could put into a trade, make it in Digest series, and like a young adult audience who's in, interested in superhero comics would probably get a really big kick out of it. You know? Oh, here By we go. By the way, Adam, I, I sent you a link. Okay. Did you get I the just, link? No, it just says your name. Oh, that's weird. Oh, hey, here we click go. Click on okay. this link. Tell me, there, tell me which one is which one is Wind Dancer, which one is uh Wind Dancer Wallflower. Is, the, is the brunette, correct? I think that's also right, but <laughs> okay. All of these characters have the same haircut. Hey, look at Wind Dancer, Elixir, Surge. And Wallflower's hair. They have the exact same hair. All of yeah. them. Yep. They have the same Hold bangs. On. I'm looking up Laurie Collins Wallflower here, and she has blonde hair. I am right. Okay, I got it right. I feel good about that. I agree, though. See, They're not very visually distinct. Whereas you can tell the giant rock monster from the like little brooding goth kid who, you know, if he touches you, he's gonna make you turn into a corpse. Can I tell you the only thing that I know of know about Wallflower? Yeah, what, what's what's your uh, fun fact? Your Wallflower fun fact? I assume that you are not a like what is it nerd rap or geek rap or whatever they were calling it in the mid two thousands. Guy, um, what are we talking about? Like Anticon? Are we talking about like uh, I don't Stones know. Throw? What where are we talking about here? I don't know. All I know is that there is. <laughs> There Peanut is Butter a Wolf. song. It's a song by MC Chris called Nerd Girl, like Riot Girl. <laughs> okay. And in the verse, uh, in the first verse, he says, nope, not going to read that part. That's demeaning to women. Uh, next, you can figure out where the rhyme goes from there as I did it. I didn't know that part started it. That's my bad. I don't know if MC Chris are, is good or bad. I know nothing about the gentleman. Uh, but the next line goes, she's more like a wallflower, like the one that Stryker sniped. I'm elixir when I'm with her because I think that I like her type. And I've had that rhyme stuck in my head for a while. Also, I'm pretty sure Stryker didn't kill wallflower. It was Reisman or whatever. You know what? It doesn't matter because <laughs> no one's ever going to listen to that song. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. I'm going to look up real quick just so I know. Is MC Chris problematic? I would assume. I mean, I think you answered that question. Just nerdcore. That's what I was talking about, man. That's mm. yeah. That doesn't sound like the hip hop that I was into in the. No, the it didn't. I mean, his Wikipedia page doesn't say anything, but I don't need to wow. dive into that. Oh, he was on the Brack show. That's weird. You ever think <laughs> about the Brack show? <laughs> that was the Space Ghost spinoff, right? That was the Space Ghost spinoff where Brack lived at home. Uh, with his parents, one of which was like a very small, not like 
he was he was just like scaled at a different size than the rest of the cast. <laughs> he was a small man by that standard. I think I remember that. I thought it was so weird. I think about the Brack show a lot, actually. Anyway, so I enjoyed this. I I this, thought, this is a fine comic. I thought it was fun. I thought it was on par with you know something you might see from this era and. Like I said, I think it would appeal to like a young adult audience. Um, does it have the lasting power of many X-Men stories? No, but I like some of these characters quite a bit. I'm trying to find where we have any other. Okay. At 450, mm-hmm. we have new X-Men choosing sides. That's the start of the Deflepus where new X-Men. Yes. Reboot after new mutants. Mm-hmm. I think this is better than that. I do as well. Is this better than the Saladin Ahmed Exiles? Where's that? 393. Oh, you went you went really high. Um I went No. I went one scroll of my mouse wheel high. Yeah. That's how high I went. No, the it's not that Ahmed Exiles is much better than this. Uh is it better or worse than the start of X-Men Evolution? Oh, that's a good you know what? That's a good comparison, you know. I think those are very much on par in terms of the audience, in terms of, you know, this kind of story that it's trying to tell. Um, I might give the edge. Honestly, they would be trying to. Yeah, they would. They would be trying to capture the kids who watched X-Men Evolution. Right. The problem is I like X-Men Evolution, actually. Um, I I have made I have made it known that I do not care as much about the 92 animated series as I do X-Men evolution. Wait, you just threw uh, a space in there. Do we, did we I decide? didn't like the space. Here's oh. the thing. Is this better than generation hope schism? Yes. Is I this better it. than, I would actually put this below the first appearance of havoc and the second appearance of the Sentinels. Cause that's got that good Neil Adams art. That sounds great. So this is our new four twelve. new four twelve. Perfect. If Adam, I would I would assume that most people can do the math and know what Hellions we're going to talk about next, right? Because of I, course, we've talked about the recent ones. We talked about the 2000s Hellions. What Hellions are left? Well, um, listeners may be thinking that we're going to go back to the New Mutants, but we are not. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> we do not care about those old comics. This is Battle of the Atom. Do you know what we care about a lot? Forgotten late 90s John Francis Moore comics. That's right. This arc is not on Marvel Unlimited, true believers. Uh, So don't go looking for it there. You're going to have to head to a pirate site to read X-Force Volume 1, 87 to 90. Adam, there's nowhere to read comics online with an illegal way. I don't know why you would even put that energy out into the world. I'm just saying. You obviously have to. You have to dig through your long boxes and find <laughs> these issues of X-Force. What is it? 87, 87 to, to 90 to something. Yeah, oh, to 90. You just said that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's OK. Um, this is called this is called Armageddon now. And John Francis Moore is following up on a like not even a plot thread, like a plot asterisk that was out in the world <laughs> since. Yes. 1994 1995 and i love that because he's following up on his own plot asterisk that he's left out for like five years 
He sure is. Um, did we mention that Jim Chung is drawing this arc? With We uh, didn't one... mention that Jim Chung is drawing this. People are like, Zach, why do you talk about the John Francis Moore X-Force road trip stuff like it's so good all the time? Because it's got friggin' Adam Polina and Jim Chung. That's right. And it, it is a crime that these issues are not on Marvel Unlimited. Man, I love Jim's artwork. Looks great, though. Let's digitally Shoemaker... remaster this. Terry Shoemaker does have to do one of these issues as a fill-in, which kind of stinks, but um, it's it's, fine. It's fine. It's fine. So tell everybody about the Asterix. Oh, yeah. So as we all know from the hit movie that didn't make anybody mad, Deadpool 2, there is is Terry Crews' Bedlam. He is a member of X-Force. Yes. Bedlam was originally introduced as one of the members of the not acolytes what are they called the prostolite nope dark riders no not the dark riders uh it's whatever nasty boys prefects no whatever friggin mr sinister and dark beast mr sinister's boys from age of apocalypse oh prelates prelates there you go yeah i had that right he's one of those him and his brother they're the bedlam brothers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh that's all we know about them They're kind of mean, but everyone in Age of Apocalypse is kind of mean. So that's not really that much of a differentiator. Totally Uh, understandable. They're two black mutants. That's Mm -hmm. that's all they are. Uh, John Francis Moore has recently introduced Jesse Aronson, known as Bedlam, into this book as a new character shaking up the cast. Uh, And he has gotten into like, fights with people like he is not gelling well with a very well established team who at this point is domino cannonball uh proud star former hellion uh sunspot siren meltdown boom boom boomer and dr mcsplosion and danny moonstar this yes. is also when danny moonstar has those weird sparkle powers she has powers in this arc and we've talked about arcs around this her powers don't make any sense in this arc. And I'm, you know what? I'm totally fine with it. Cause you could just tell. It looks great. She looks like Carolina from runaways. <laughs> it's fine. She just has like pink astral stuff coming off of her body and it's fixing problems. So whatever. Um, see now Jesse Bedlam has an issue and that is that he really wants to find his long lost brother. Now the problem is that he is going to find his brother in this arc and his brother is none other than King Bedlam. Yeah. They're the Bedlam brothers. He's King Bedlam. His name's Chris. Emma Frost tried to recruit him to the Hellions back in the day. And he said, no, though he did make a love connection with one of the Hellions. That's of course, Mary Colbert tarot. Who it's, I looked this up. This was never explained outside of this arc, but tarot apparently either, did not die when the rest of the Hellions died be thanks to Bedlam or she was brought back to life somehow. It's very unclear. However, her like status as a living person on earth does seem to be reliant on Bedlam who has see now his Chris's power is to like mess up mechanical things. Yes. Or not Chris, um, Jesse, Chris's power is to mess up minds so he yes. can go inside they and cause bedlam. Chaos. Right. So they cause bedlam just in different things. Um, 
so along with Taro, there is a new group of Hellions. Who are these Hellions, Zach? Hey, 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 wait, shut up. One second. You have to know this, too. And our listeners need to know this, because I feel like part of what our listeners like about this podcast is that we bring just the dumbest facts about the Marvel Universe. Hit me. Give me the dumb. Do you know the second time that Taro was magically resurrected without anybody telling anybody about it? You know, uh, you know who resurrected her? Wait, wasn't that Necrotia? No, because we know who resurrected her then. That was Celine. Yeah. So that would have. Yeah, it's weird. When did she die again? Doesn't matter. They absolutely forgot that about this. Oh, arc. I'm sure they forgot about I'll, this arc. I'll tell you who wouldn't actually forget about this arc. We'll get to that because uh, it's shockingly a lot of people. Guys, this is going to be the wiki wormhole section of the podcast. Yeah, hit me, hit uh, me with this. I got to know. Oh, it's uh, it's Pendulette. Pendulette from Penn and Teller. Oh, you, yeah, from Penn and Teller. Okay, please tell me more. Um, in Dead Spider-Man Deadpool number eleven, uh, Penn and Teller do a thing where Spider-Man and Deadpool and Penn and Teller fight Taro. <laughs> what? Why? I don't know. That's so weird. Because they wanted to do a Vegas theme and she does cards? Whew, okay. Wow. That's anyway, weird. again, if she if she had a dollar for every time that she came back into mysterious circumstances. Yeah, she might have up to up, $4. Dollars. To. I think we're up to $4 there. She uh, comes back a lot. Yeah. Uh, she's probably the main member of these. Well, one of the main members. Actually, there's a handful of main members. Here's yes. the people you already know about. Farrell is here. Oh, yeah. Farrell, Farrell is back and Farrell is pissed, as always. I actually kind of love that Farrell's like, yeah, I also hate all of you. You know that, right? <laughs> yes. Like, we yeah. are not friends. <laughs> also not That's friends great. is Magma. Magma. Not happy. Allison Kressmere. That's her name. Don't we call all know me that. Amara. Okay, here's the thing. Magma is the worst of the new mutants. <laughs> So I think it's kind of great that she sucks in this. Like, she's also brought back to be this spoiled brat. She's like, I want to go back to when I was a princess. This sucks. She, listen, she's been gaslit for her entire existence. It makes sense that she is pissed. Uh, We are also joined here by Switch, who can switch bodies with you. Um, Do you know who hadn't forgotten about Switch? Apparently Cy Spurrier, because that's the character from Legion of X, that first arc, which we're not ranking here. No. Um, And the wild choice. Final member of this uh, Bedlam's Hellions is a techno organic creature known as the Paradigm. Don't learn. You know who did forget about the Paradigm? Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis, apparently. (laughs) Brought him Uh, back. That's astonishing, right? I. I was telling Adam before this, I have no recollection of that story. That's okay. Apparently he only brought his head back. So something happened. Apparently. Very funny. Actually, yeah. that's listen. That's great. I like yeah. that. Anyway, King Bedlam wants the new Hellions and X-Force to team up. Sure. Because, because he gives a very good speech about how mutants shouldn't have to hide and shouldn't have to be oppressed and that mm. the Sentinels and Operation Zero Tolerance is really bad. He's making a lot of excellent points. Except that's not actually he, his goal. <laughs> no, he 
he then immediately says, actually, I don't believe in any of that stuff and tries and, to do chaos by unleashing another mutant, an old mutant. Yes. That's the Armageddon man. Do you, Armageddon, Adam, what do you know about the Armageddon man? man. Um, I'm guessing this is a Silver Age character. I don't really know anything about him. They explain what he is. Adam, it is not a Silver oh. Age character, oh, which okay. I was actually also surprised with. This is not an existing uh, character. No, no, no. He was put in suspended animation by the government. Exactly what he says. He has powers to like make the weather bad, but like cause Armageddon. And, yeah, he like, basically causes natural disasters um, just by like standing around. Hey, Stop. do you know who hadn't forgotten about Armageddon Man and in fact made him a center point in a couple of large arcs? Uh, the answer is Steve Orlando in X-Men Green. Oh, really? I haven't read that far in X-Men Green. Wow. It's, X-Men Green is a mixed book that I think, or a mixed kind of like, it's not even a book, but I think it suffers from being tossed around from writer to writer for a mm. while. Not yeah. necessarily like it just it, that's just what happened. Uh, but it means that it doesn't it doesn't explore exactly what I want it to explore, and it does end up being kind of just a route superhero story. And I feel like all of Nature Girl's biggest fans would probably be upset about it, but it's also the second most interesting thing she's ever gotten to do. The most interesting thing is when she got to be in Age of X-Men as one of the X-Men because Zach Thompson loves plants. <laughs> I'm not uh, saying Lonnie Nadler doesn't also love plants, but if Zach and Lonnie are listening, I bet they can both agree that one of them loves plants more than the other. And it's the one that is recommending me books about weird plants all the time. See, I really just remember that she had a really great bear uh, in a, as a friend in that book. So. Yeah, that. Hey, <laughs> I'll tell you. And I, I mean this with all the love in the world. That's more interesting than X-Men Green. <laughs> well, um, it's just the bear so good to your point about Orlando. I mean, I don't think there's a corner of the X-Men universe that Steve Orlando is not excited about pulling a character from. So it does not surprise me that the Armageddon man, same came wavelength, him yeah. and I same wavelength vibes, vibes. Um, we're so, right there. I so, get, I understand. Yeah. Um, Domino has been switched with switch. Once they figure that out, they realize, Oh yeah, this is all, this is all not great. X-Force has to fight. The Hellions has to defeat the Armageddon man. Danny uses her crazy weird powers. that don't make a lot of sense to like put everything back in a bottle. Uh, there is a kidnapped Senator at some point here. That's yeah. He used to story. work for, he used to work for, uh, a project you may have heard of recently called the Manhattan Project. Oh, very timely. Yes. Very timely. Very timely. Yes. Barbenheimer, yes. Mm -hmm. I guess. Sure. Everyone's talking about it. And I'm like, it's just two movies. Listen, I'm excited time. to see both of those, but I only had time to see Mission Impossible 7. So I made a choice. Love that for you. Here's Thank what you. I did, Adam. And yes. I told you this. My wife and sister went to see Barbie. I didn't i thought i was going to be busy and it turned out i wasn't but mm -hmm. they are already bought tickets so i didn't go i instead watched the movie uh barbarian yeah which was fine oh i love barbarian. i thought it was okay i thought it was fine it's just <laughs> That's a lot of fun I, it, zach it you fine. know what you missed out on is seeing that in a the theater because the audience reactions to that movie were 
They were crazy. I don't, I'm going to say this truly. I don't think I ever need to see a movie in a movie theater for the rest of my life. I feel wow. so content. Okay. I, I, hey, I, I'm not a movie like lover like some people. I don't enjoy cinema. You you know I'm, I'm, fine I'm a movie guy, so that I, I can't vibe with are. that. But I I appreciate it. I I I understand, especially post. We respect each other here. Yeah, absolutely. And I respect this arc of X Force because I thought it was a lot of fun. I love looking at Jim's artwork. I think this era is early. Jim Chung is wild. It's, it's just got, like because he looks like Jim Chung. Yeah, yeah, but it's got like everybody's still got kind of like a cartoony quality to it, but it's still very detailed and. I, I just enjoy uh, the way he depicts these characters. I do appreciate the way Francis Moore is writing these characters. There's there's some great interactions between both. They feel like friends. They feel like people. Yes. Like, yes. There's a very human quality to it. And it honestly, it's a lot like X Men 2099 in that they're all just kind of vibing. Like mm-hmm. it, they're being around and things are happening, and they're they're like, okay, I guess this is what we're dealing with now. There's some interesting self and there's some repercussions for the long-term thing. One, it embeds Bedlam into the team because he has to stand up against his brother and say, actually, no. And Jesse Bedlam will be a major player on X-Force until the end of this run, until until the entire team, uh, well, gets changed over for the Milligan X-Force. And then Jesse is uh, murder killed on the Xavier lawn during Holy War. But terrible. Listen, in the long history of times that we've murdered Jesse Bedlam. Wow. The uh, black characters on this episode, not doing so well. But um, Well, that's that's comics history for you. It just, it's not good. We just have to accept that that is, that is what happened. Yeah, yeah. So I enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, I, Did you enjoy it more than Siren, who got her throat ripped out by Feral? Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Yes. Siren, uh, yet again, she doesn't talk again for a while too. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, does have her vocal cords cut. So, um, that's how this honestly, the, the, uh, about that. Yeah. Honestly, the next, the next issue, uh, 91 is a silent issue and it's really good. Also 92 has Halloween Jack. Adam, we need to have an excuse to talk about some <laughs> other John Francis Moore stories. I forgot Halloween Jack came back. Got to love it. Man, I love how we've tapped into the zeitgeist of Halloween Jack. Um I don't know if that's a zeitgeist. I just said that. Uh Again, do you know the zeitgeist of Halloween Jack fans it's it's us it's Steve Orlando who put him in a comic book this year. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's try and rank this. Um, I enjoyed this more than the new X-Men Hellions mini that we just talked about. I also enjoyed this more than the new X-Men mini. Okay. Um, let's see. We got some other JFM stuff around. Is it weird that like there is stuff that it's like the John Francis Moore 2099 or X-Men. It's like, yeah, we can tell where the flaws are, but we like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to uh, go out on a limb, and I know you really like that Hellions arc that we started the show with, but I like this more than that. I would honestly say, Adam, you're in the right area, but I think maybe that Hellions arc is a bit more coherent and better. Okay. And taps into some emotions more, but... I think you're you're at about the right spot because I was looking at 263, uh, the road trip, the start of the road trip era. Oh yeah, yeah. 
where, uh, you know, where Warpath goes to hell and has to fight Strife, who murdered his <laughs> yes. entire tribe. Yeah. I think this is better than that, but not as good as the uh, Age of Apocalypse exterminated mini. The okay. Latham one. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about it compared to New Mutants uh, number 37, If I Should Die? Which one's New Mutants number 37? Is that the one right before? Uh, I think that is. Oh, that's the one. No, that one's better. That's the one where the Beyonder kills them all. That's better than this. Okay. So we know where we're putting this on the list. This is going to be yeah. our new 263. X-Force JFM. 7 to 90. Armageddon now. Check it out if you can. If you can find it. Classics. Yeah. Buried. You know what? That's what we're here. We're here to to separate the wheat from the chaff and show everyone all of the good good times that you can have with your friends on the X-Men. And I had a good time with my friend Adam on this one. Heck yeah. And uh, we want to thank everybody for listening. Now, Zach, you did mention earlier, before we got into our Hellions chat, that uh, there was a change coming to the Patreon. If you want to there, there, talk yes, about that. By the way, I want to thank, yeah, I want to thank Patreon supporter uh, Lucas Walsh. Uh, if you want to uh, be like Lucas Walsh, listen up. Uh, so we are making a bit of a change to how we're handling the Patreon moving forward. Uh, it has been tied to the website Comics XF, and while we are still posting there and still both actively involved with that team and have a lot of great feelings, we've we've all made a decision just for keeping everything clean and tidy to separate that. So we are going to be redoing the Battle of the Atom Patreon and changing this into Battle of the Atom Patreon. And Comics XF is going to continue on a different one. What we're going to do is we're going to link to that in here. And for our patrons, uh, we're going to have something posted on Patreon before this episode goes up, laying those changes out. And if you were a patron who was really just there to support the incredible journalism and reviews and opinions and stuff that happens over at comics xf but that's that's where we're at right now just a bit of a just a bit of a house cleaning change but one that's going to be important because we care a lot about the people who support the work that goes on here and we've been very blessed to have a group of people that do support and if you want to join that elite you can go over to Patreon.com slash uh, URL to be determined because I <laughs> don't know. I haven't done it yet because I haven't done it yet. That's what it is. We got right. we got to juggle a few URLs. But the URL got, for our Patreon is going to reflect Battle of the Atom as opposed to Comics XF. And yeah, and the Comics XF one. Will... Yeah. So we don't want anybody to freak out. Right. In fact, we hope you can support both Patreons if you're if you're fiscally Super available. Super hope you do. Um, but uh, tell your friends, you know, support the show. Tell your enemies. So tell everybody. Support the show. Support the website. And uh, we're looking forward to, to exciting things to come. I say double dip, frankly. I, that's what I would say. I, uh, that's that's my advice. Oh, and yeah. here's the secret. Uh, here's the secret. Oh, uh, the new Comics XF Patreon is going to be better managed than whatever Dingus <laughs> was running the last one. That Dingus is me. Uh, <laughs> we got a new Dingus running the new Patreon for Comics XF. We've got a new Dingus running the new Patreon. <laughs> and it's a great Dingus. Uh, and if you want to support that Dingus, Patreon.com for Comics XF. Go to that. Adam, what do you got going on besides this? 
Uh, well, I am uh, always on social Instagram, Adam.Rec, Blue Sky, Adam Rec, Twitter, whatever Twitter is now. It's called I X and I don't like that. I won't call it that, uh, Arthur Stacy, but we're still posting podcast updates there. Um, and comic it does automatically there. get posted and that would be going through some of the website stuff. And that seems like a challenge. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure you'll still see posts there anyway, follow on socials. Don't try and follow Zach anywhere. Um, don't follow me. me? Adam had to cut out a part in the last episode where I doxed myself. So. <laughs> I did. And I did a good job of deleting all of that too. Um, <laughs> I was protesting against it because I trust you. <laughs> But it's not trying to dox himself. Um, so next week, uh, we are both away. So no new episodes, but we will return in due form. Um, what is going to be on our next episode, Zach? Our next episode, which may come out in two weeks, may come out in three weeks. Who knows? We're in our attitude era. Hell yeah. We're going to do what we want. Hell yeah. Uh, it's an iBoy episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> My longest eye boy ever. Love it. Oh, I'm excited about that. Trevor is funny because he's covered in eyes. What a guy. Uh, what, a, what a pal. But until then, folks, this has been Bow the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!